When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As of right now, we are at war. How desperate you call on such lost creatures for men. How desperate am I? You threaten my world with war. You steal a force you can't hope to control. You talk about peace and you kill because it's fun. You have made me very desperate. You might not be glad that you did. There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people. Welcome to Fury's Finest, a podcast about the discussion of Marvel Crisis Protocol and the Marvel Universe. My name is Jesse Aiken and I am joined by my co-host, Chris Bruffett. Chris, how are you doing this fine week? Jesse, the weather here in sunny North Carolina is absolutely gorgeous. I just can't even. It's wild. It's so nice. It has just lifted my spirits. It's been great. Yeah, man. I've been going on a lot of walks and things lately. It's been a really mm-hmm. nice thing. You and I are both fully vaccinated now, like we talked about oh, yeah. in the last episode a little bit. And that's a very exciting thing. So that means good news for the future, hopefully, of tabletop in our areas. I'm really looking forward to that. It's been a good time. And we hope you guys enjoyed our last episode all about the AMG mini extravaganza con that was a very long episode chris and we got a lot of information in there we hope you guys enjoyed it it was kind of like a news and hype spoiler episode mixed with multiple strategy episodes in there which i'm actually pretty proud of chris we got all that in there we packed a lot of punch into that one peter parker mysterio and carnage alone there's a lot of content in there to just take in and man, it was a lot, but I'm happy it's done. I'm happy we're getting back to, to the standard content, but what's funny, I say the standard content, we're taking a slight, slight detour this week. We're not doing a character episode, but Chris, there's been even more news and there's been more things happening in Marvel Christ protocol. So today we're going to be doing an episode all around all these character spoilers and just some of the news and things that we're excited about with the wave coming very soon in May. I'm very excited about Iron Fist. You guys know I've been clamoring for Iron Fist since maybe episode one, I think. I think so, maybe. I honestly think I said it in episode one. So I'm I'm really excited. And (laughs) man, one of his attacks is just bonkers. Yeah, which we're going to get to. That's a good tease for that because it's a crazy thing, crazy world. And yes, of course, Iron Fist and Luke Cage, two of Chris's favorites. I'm really happy they're coming to the game in general. They're just characters I want to see in the game. It's going to be cool to have some more defenders too. So I'm looking forward to all of that, Chris. But before all that, we've got a little bit of housekeeping to do. I'm sure you guys noticed the gap between last week's episode and this episode. It was not a week. It was two weeks. And that turns out might be our new format, Chris. We just wanted to discuss with you, the listener, why that's going to be the case, at least for now. And I think we got a lot of good reasons for this, Chris. And it's hard for me to say that. But then at the same time, when you and I are working part-time job hours a week to get the episode out every week, we were thinking maybe some changes need to be made, but not a change to lower the call of the episode, but just maybe some more time to do the episodes. And hopefully that will lead to some improvements in quality that we're not even expecting, just having a little bit more time to process and think and plan. Yeah, I could agree more, Chris, because you guys know at home, there's a lot of reading, research, prep, 
recording, post work, and then a lot of editing and production that go into this show every time we put an episode out to get this to be as information-packed and highly produced and enjoyable for you, the listener, as we can make it. You know, we have so many of you guys worldwide, which is a very exciting thing. It always brings a smile to me, Chris, to see our representation of listeners all over the world. And we do not take that lightly, guys. And on top of that, you know, the way this show's formatted, we're doing basically two or three episodes in one, Chris, every time we do an episode, because we could essentially just only do an episode on lore, only do an episode on the MCU of these characters, only do an episode on the strategy like you saw potentially in our last episode when we just went on a tangent for some time just with Peter Parker, Carnage, and Mysterio. But instead of doing all that, we get it all in a mainly hour format, under an hour and a half format every time. And that takes a lot out of us. So we're hoping just with the two-week format, you know, we have more time to do this the way we want to do it. And one day when the Patreon and stuff takes off, and if Marvel Crisis Protocol continues to grow, and I think it really will, Chris, with the world getting closer back to a normal state, you know, maybe we can get back to that weekly format again i'm really excited jesse to get back to the one week format when our lives allow that when all the variables you said i guess all the moons align whatever needs to happen but until then really want to focus on improving what we can and continuing to and continuing to deliver on the quality we have you have come to know us for i agree with that chris and i'm excited about this idea and format going forward because i get to read more which is gonna be a very exciting thing because usually i'm spending so much time in production and other elements of our show and things around the podcast world i don't get to enjoy the art and writing world as much and i'd like to i really like to of course we're going to be able to play more games with marvel Crisis protocol which is actually very important because the more time we put in the show sometimes it actually takes away from our tabletop time which of course takes away from our fun but it takes away from the podcast inadvertently too so these are all things we're going to work on and chris i'm glad you didn't mention the thing i forgot up front which probably would been important to mention you and i both had of course a lot of life changes last year but on top of that you know i got a part-time job in the fall and then your hours at your work just basically doubled overnight it's getting worse i mean in a good way but yeah and the listeners know at home too i'm a full-time stay-at-home dad so essentially working very long days as well and then we find time in the evenings and that's also when i do my part-time job work as well so it has been very difficult to find time and i've been very happy we found time but i think this will give us more time to put even more love into the show and love into the comics movies and of course marvel christ protocol which will only improve our content on the show because we love to talk about all three of those things in these episodes well i am just ecstatic for you to read iron fist i can't wait i have been talking about it for a long time well talking about getting you to read it i think you're going to walk away from that a just solid in the camp of danny rand just flag waving bona fide member of the iron fist fan club i'm a believer chris i'm looking forward to it and you know it does help that you know truthfully my childhood background like i grew up watching a lot of the classic martial arts movies and things like that so that part interests me a lot if any elements of that are in danny rand's story and design which i already know spoiler alert some of it is that's interesting to me too but yeah i just know these are well-written stories so i am looking forward to that also looking forward to you going over lore on the show about danny and hopefully convincing some listeners too who might think iron fist is not as cool as he actually is he is super cool you just have to do a little digging it's you know it's not on the surface like it is with wolverine and not to take anything away from wolverine but you know it's it's easy to know that wolverine's cool it's so true he's so cool he is so cool man (laughs) he's such a complex character but yeah i'm looking forward to reading about danny i mean i'm still looking forward chris to diving deeper into a character i already truly adore and love which is matt murdoch daredevil because we do have our daredevil episode coming up very soon actually this kind of plays into the two-week formatting i mentioned this to you i think almost a month ago in a pre-pod production meeting that i really wanted to have time to really do daredevil right because I think it's going to be one of those very listened-to episodes for such a popular character. Absolutely. And for such a seminal character that will literally, I believe, bring some people into the game, it's not the same as Wolverine, but the dedication of Daredevil fans is very known, and it's very cool. 
So I, I expect that to bring people in. I expect it to get to do really well. So I want that to be as good as possible. And pairing all of that history from a man that's had his own titles, you know, weekly delivered comic books and been part of team books since the 80s. It's tough. It's tough. And we want to give him his proper day too. I mean, he is an important character in Marvel and of course, Marvel Christ Protocol. And let's also not forget Kingpin. He's coming very soon too. So there's a lot of interesting characters coming. There's a lot of streetwise stuff coming, Chris, which is very exciting, which I'm really looking forward to. And some of that we're going to touch on today. Some of these New York protectors and defenders, of, you know, in the area, but we just want to talk honest and open with you guys up front about all that, why we're going to the two week format, basically our ideas going forward, because also we've talked about on the show a lot. We haven't had time to do some of our MCU discussions and things that we've planned because we've been working so much on the production of these character episodes. So we're hoping also that the two-week format will give us that option as well because there's a lot of exciting things going on in the MCU, Chris, that are about to kick it into overdrive starting you know, this late summer onward because movies are coming back and TV shows are popping up left and right. Baby. Very exciting. So exciting, man. I can't wait for more of it. But until then, Chris, I think we just got to move on because we got some business to attend to. Fury's Finest is sponsored by Discount Games Inc. Go to DiscountGamesInc.com for all your Marvel, Crisis, Protocol, and miniature gaming needs. Of course, our patrons support us here at Fury's Finest at Patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. If you enjoy our show, you know, hopefully bring some value to your day. Consider supporting us with a monthly contribution. We thank all of our patrons for their support. Of course, the Patreon is going to support and guide all these future endeavors and ideas that Chris and I have. And if the Patreon does take off, we're going to pursue a lot of other avenues with the show and more content. So we really appreciate it. And this week, we want to send a very big shout out to Ralph V. Ralph, thank you so much. Thank you, Ralph. And of course, huge thank you to our Avenger producer, Matthew R. If you'd like to become a producer and hear your name read every episode because you are literally producing the episode, check out our producer tier on Patreon. And also don't forget, guys, if you're not a patron, it is definitely worth joining alone to get on our Discord. You know, couple dollars a month and you are in our discord hanging out with these wonderful wonderful people we've got quite a bit of people in the discord now chris which is very exciting and there's a lot of interesting discussions we've even added more categories to the discord lately we've kind of broken up the hobby section and the marvel news section and you know maybe we're going to add some movie discussion sections and of course our tts sections there's a lot going on and becoming a patron gets to be a part of that. And I'm really thinking everything is going to take off even more, Chris, when we can all play in person again. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to that because I'm looking forward to bouncing list ideas back and forth with the patrons, you know, giving each other encouragement, all sorts of fun things, you know, posting terrain projects in there because, you know, finally the world is reopening and we can put our terrain out there at stores for tournaments, all sorts of good things happening on the discord. It's going to be great. I'm going to make a whole new set of gaming friends eventually. Absolutely. And yeah, man, it's it's going to be wonderful. Uh, new shops for me to check out. I can't wait till you go and wait. can't wait to hear about it. We'll see. I have a lot of hobbying to do. <laughs> that's, that's very true. All right, Chris. Well, we've got a lot of news to catch up on today on Marvel Crisis Protocol and the May wave. So let's just get into it. Let's go. So Chris, starting off, we did talk about Cable recently. You and I are still very excited about Cable, and he's one of my most looked forward to characters right now in the game. But we did not cover Domino extensively on the show yet. We talked about some of her panel to play elements, but we did not have her card. And then, of course, the con happened, all this, all these things happened. So we have to talk about her now because she, of course, was not part of the con. So we did not want to talk about her in that episode. But I think we just got to talk about Domino before we get into these other characters because she's a pretty cool three threat. I really like what she brings to a game. She's in just really a awesome use, just a kit, just character design with this character. I was blown away. The flavor and lore is really good. You know, she's a 10 health, three threat character. Her defenses are 333, which of course we know is the average of a three threat character. So she's average across the board on that. But we will mention a couple interesting things about her that are innately baked in. She has an innate superpower called things tend to go my way when this character is attacking or defending enemy characters do not roll additional dice for crit results in their attack or defense rolls so they do not explode crits when they attack her and when they defend against her so she's mitigating dice 
also, Chris, she has another dice mitigating ability. It's an active superpower called probability manipulation. It costs X power after Domino rolls an attack, defense, or dodge dice, and before the resolve critical steps, so before you've exploded the crits, Domino may spend any amount of power to use the superpower. For each power spent, Domino may treat one skull as a critical instead for the remainder of this attack. So basically, Chris, when Domino has a lot of power, you should be scared because (laughs) dice go her way if she can spend power. Yeah, man. Things tend to go her way as... The superpower says, you know, just an excellent use of character design to implement luck-based powers by affecting the luck-based dice. Really cool. Yeah, and they even kind of built in a couple things into her tax, which is built around her luck, too. Some nice little snippets of lore. She has her big spender attack is called Lucky Shot. Only costs three because she's probably spending all her power on her probability manipulation, but it's an energy attack, range three, six strength, but here's her little luck thing. The target character does not gain power for the damage dealt by this attack, so she's getting around that baked-in basic rule of Marvel Christ Protocol. Mm-hmm. She also can potentially give them stun from it. She also has the automatic pistols, similar to Mystique and Black Widow. Of course, range three, just four dice, but then if she gets one hit and the dice result she gets to rapid fire do it again we've seen it on punisher we've seen it on black widow we've seen it on mystique but i think this grenade bounce ability is so cool chris it's a range four energy attack Uh only four dice does cost one but what's cool about it once again her kind of mitigating luck in some ways no matter what this ignores line of sight okay there we go and the defending character does not benefit from cover so She's getting around that. We've seen elements of this on attacks before, but it's still interesting to see that just incinerate. After the attack is resolved, the target character gains incinerate. It just happens. There's no wild trigger or anything. But then also she can wild trigger into explosive, which is that wonderful, wonderful ability before damage is dealt. Other enemy characters within range two of the target you're attacking suffer one damage. They all get pinged because the grenade's going off. Very cool. She's not doing a ton of damage with her attacks. Her attacks when the dice go her way, are doing really cool things, really cool triggers. Yeah, she's just a lot of changing your fortunes, which, like, I just keep harping on this, but it's so thematic, it just blows my mind. Yeah, like, it's not a ton of damage, but it's going to be more reliable Yeah, than any other, you know, is it the most reliable three-threat damage? That's a good question, uh, Chris. Something we'll look into. a lot of three-threat characters. Zemo's pretty consistent. A lot of people forget mm, about that's him. That's a good one. With his baked-in rerolls, but... You know, let's also keep in mind, she is an X-Force member. I I do think we will see her everywhere because I think she's just a good three threat. But let's not forget Cable's affiliation leadership, Wetworks. Each allied character may reroll one die in their attack rolls once per turn. So she's also getting a built-in X-Force reroll into her attacks, which is really good. Yeah, I think this is a great character, Chris. I'm very excited to play her. She's an all-rounder, but like you said... When you're ready to be a smart player and be, you know, maybe a little bit more strategic and you've got the power saved up, you can kind of start using her little toolbox of weapons and her toolbox of changing her dice and things like that from, of course, the skulls to more crits. And then you're exploding more crits. And and now you've got the X-Force reroll to potentially reroll one of those crits that didn't work out, you know, from the explode. There's cool things happening with her. Well, I'm not sure I'm ready to step into the halls of smart players. But I'm down to play some Domino. Yeah, let's just play her for fun because the model looks great. That's cool. So, Chris, the next two on here we gotta move it. We gotta move into is the next pack. So, of course, we've we've already discussed. We've got coming in May, which I think is very important to talk about here. We've got Cable and Domino in a box. We've got Deadpool and Bob in a box with their taco truck, which we did talk about quite extensively in a recent episode. We've also got Sin and Viper, two maybe. Not as well known, but two pretty iconic female villains that come in a box together. And I also think what's pretty cool about this box, Chris, the theme to me is we're getting low cost villains in a box together. And I think we just got to talk about Sin first. And, you know, you and I talked about some of the interesting things we heard through the panel and play about her. But I think now we can actually talk about her. She's an interesting character. You know, first standout thing to me, Chris, is her defenses are three, three, four. So similar to the Red Skull, we got that interesting thing going on. Also, once again, she's the standard 10 health of a three threat. It's backloaded. So she's four on the front and six on the back. Very strange, but cool. I guess she's just angry when she gets hit. I don't know. This is looking similar to Deadpool's kind of health pool, remember? Yeah. Yeah. On the front side, he's a little bit more vulnerable. Once again, she has automatic pistols. 
similar to Domino, similar to Black Widow. The list goes on now. She also has a pretty cool spender that costs four, six strength, and it's got a pretty interesting trigger. Insult to injury. After this attack is resolved, this character may make an additional make it personal attack without paying the cost. The additional attack must target the original target character and is a and is not a physical attack. Interesting. And then this attack does not have the insult to injury special rule. So you're spending four to potentially do six dice twice, and then you're changing the type from physical on the second attack. Okay. That's pretty cool. You're messing them up, I guess. But I think most importantly about her, Chris, and I kind of want to get your take on this too, but I think the most important part about her is we have another member of the Cabal list, but more importantly, we have the second leader of the Cabal in the game since the core set. This is the first time we've got another leader for Cabal. And it's her team, the Red Mayhem. Now let's talk about what this is, because it sounds more complex at first than it actually is. So I'll break it down simply. Okay, so during the cleanup phase, if the enemy player is contesting secure objectives and sends alive, of course, and you have this affiliation going on, she can roll a die for every enemy character contesting an objective. If she gets a hit, crit, or wild, she can move them short away from the objectives. Pretty cool. Also, if enemy players are holding asset tokens or civilians and they're within range two of a member of your team, as in this Cabal team, and you roll a die if it's hit, crit, or wild, the enemy character drops one asset token of your choice. So if they're holding two or three hammers or, you know, hammer and something else, they wouldn't drop both. They would drop one or the other. So what do you think about this weird control affiliation chris i think it's gonna make some people mad yeah it doesn't appeal to me much play style wise but i can definitely see a world in which it is powerful which it is played a lot affecting your opponent's opportunity to score in a more tangible way than just kind of outmaneuvering them is a very interesting mechanic to introduce Right. So we've, we've seen something like this before with the criminal syndicate where they count as two. But other than that, we haven't really seen any affiliation, Chris, that really just only directly affects the enemy players and punishes them for scoring objectives, basically, in this way. And you're kind of controlling them for the next turn and things like that. It's interesting. I agree with you. I don't know how strong it is. I think the biggest strength of this ability, and this might sound like a broken record because I said the same thing on the Magneto and Mystique episodes, but of course is you have Johann Schmidt, the Red Skull, and Sin in your 10 character roster when you show up to a tournament or a friendly game, and you're already asking questions of the enemy player. Questions along the lines of, are they going to play the Red Skull or are they going to play sin as their leader those are very different play styles they're going to be very different teams and i think that's going to be her thing where it's like i think 90 percent of the time you're going to be playing the red skull and there's going to be one game where certain crises come up right and you're going to switch to her as your leader and not even take red skull also what's interesting chris is she's three and he's four and sometimes you might not be able to afford the red skull and she might just that one less threat might help you get the team you want right so that might be the time she shines the most even more than just this affiliation if that makes sense and going back to your earlier point there you might not even ever play her right you just might need to have the threat of her leadership on the field instead of johan yeah it's a turn zero mind game with your enemy and of course you know it also gives you more flexibility with team building like if weird threat points come up you've got an out so touching on a couple of her superpowers because they are kind of interesting she's got hit and run which is very good it's what zemo has works for him she's also got heir to the wicked very interesting when this character is damaged by an enemy or allied effect of so things like some of these cabal cards that damage you after the effect is resolved if she is not dazed she gains one power so she's gaining more power for herself when she's taking damage and things on top of the power she already be gaining from being dealt damage from an enemy attack or something she also has stealth which is always great and then of course chris the biggest curveball of all and i really want to tell to you while we're here and i know you've seen it but it is very cool <laughs> corvus and proxima their whole husband and wife thing and the way that's a cool interaction to break the rules of the game going double activation well they kind of brought that in with sin and crossbones as in they did but it's not quite as strong because with corvus and proxima right it's they both have it either or with this sin has to go so at the end of sin's activation if she is within range four of an allied crossbones she may use the superpower cost zero allied crossbones does not have an activated token he may 
activate now before your opponent goes. Pretty cool for crossbones, man. It's actually helping out his uh, movement problems. It's wonderful. Because Crossbones is wonderful. <laughs> yes, he is. And also, Chris, this is cool because, you know, when you're running her and Crossbones and whatever team you like, this is working. This isn't a oh, yeah. Cabal or her Cabal team or something thing. This is just a unique relationship AMG built into the game now that didn't exist before. And I, I love it. It's like the Eddie Brock Carnage Arch Nemesis stuff we were talking about exactly. last time. There's little mini interactions, thematic interactions going on with characters that are adding new nuances the game adding new excitement to the game adding more flavor to the game oh it's wonderful it just it's more layers and more layers of complexity just make the game continue to be interesting for those of us that have been around since the beginning absolutely so i don't play cabal chris so this is a strange character for me i am intrigued by her kit it is very interesting for a three threat but my takeaway is not as strong because i don't have a emotional tie to this character in the comics or movies, and then I don't particularly play Cabal, and I think she's strongest in Cabal. But she might have a place in Criminals. Yeah, we'll just have to see. We'll just have to see. So speaking of another villain, this was a nice curveball, Chris. We got Viper. First of all, her sculpt looks great. Her art looks good. She's another three threat, and she's a long mover. Mm-hmm. And her defenses are 3-3-3, three, 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 which is fine, because she's a long mover. And she's also 10 health, which is standard. So what's the first things that went through your mind, Chris, when, number one, they revealed Viper, that she's coming to the game, and number two, just looking at her card? I really like her kit a lot. As far as her lore-wise, I don't know much about her. So my immediate thought was, oh, no, I have to do a lot of reading. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> but it's always exciting to learn about new characters in the Marvel Universe that you didn't really know much about before, but her kit is very exciting to me. She seems like a very easy-to-fit-in three-cost. Yeah, and she's just a a damage dealer. Oh, yeah. Nothing wrong with that. And long mover. And long mover. What's interesting about Viper, Chris, is I was thinking, my first thought when I heard she was announced, I was like, I wonder if they're going to make Viper like a budget Gamora, and they kind of did, but it also makes Gamora even weaker than I want her to be because four costs is just too much for her, which makes me very sad. It's almost like Gamora just needs a little bit more dice and just lean into that. She's a crazy glass cannon long mover that when she's on you, you're just done. But if you get her before that, she's in trouble. Viper's basically that. I mean, she's got a range two attack, got two range three attacks, which I think is super cool because they've got different triggers. So you can kind of toolbox her weapons. Though I will say, of course, a weakness of her is all of her attacks are physical which we know is the most representative yeah. defense in the game. But she's also got cool stuff like displacement rings. She pays two to place herself within range two. So getting around issues like having to move when she's actually in the fray, she doesn't have to now because she can double strike or she could strike, gain some power, then move, then strike again, right. right? That double strike. Also, she's got Gamora's ability, basically Coiled Serpent, pay two. When Viper is targeted by an attack within range two, it may use a superpower. Instead of rolling her defense dice equal to his defense, she rolls five defense dice instead. Then if she suffers no damage, as in if those dice actually block the attack, after the attack is resolved, the attacker suffers two damage. This is actually one of the coolest mm. parts about Gamora, Chris, is like she's kind of got this, like, I actually have five defense if I've got power, and then I've got this cool counter-strike if it works out. It's cool. Yeah, you have to think twice about bringing that weak stuff in Gamora's house, and now <laughs> you have to think twice about bringing it to Viper's house, too. Yeah, and, you know... Not every character is going to be the flashiest character, and that's kind of my thought on Viper. I think long move and stealth is cool enough, and decent attacks. Couple the long move and stealth like you're talking about with the displacement ring. It can be good. I, yeah, I just I just don't see many downsides. She has three different attacks. That's a nice little toolbox. The stealth with the long move, like you said, the coiled serpent's nice, but it's just all that movement with a pretty large arsenal of attacks. Yeah. Yeah. She's not the flashiest character. She's just solid. And I think that's a good thing for the game, a welcome addition. And I'm really excited to see what villain teams she fits on. So like how the affiliation list changes. Once again, sometimes when characters are put out like this, Chris, and people don't know them very well, or they're just not wowed completely by their kit. My response is always look at the affiliations that they went into and how those affiliations grew, not only threat value wise, but also how they grew as in there might've been a gap in the particular affiliation she joins that might need a melee cheap three threat character. Time will tell. My final thought, Chris, is also too that 
the sword team is coming. There's a team like where you could potentially just run all sword people. And I think that's fun in itself. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I'll run it. Why not? Right. I mean, you could really, we're getting up there. Now we know blades coming too, right? I mean, you could have Viper, oh, Blade, yeah. Deadpool, Wolverine. You know, we've got swords on our hands. Yeah, that's more of a stabby team. Yeah, but just all stabby people if you want. But I mean, we've got, of course, a lot of swords in the game. Gamora, Zemo, the swords are adding up. <laughs> so... That's great. There's a lot of hardworking blacksmiths out there that need more sword work. <laughs> it's so true. There's always superheroes that have them, you know. But also, too, Chris, like, you got to think about when people see characters like this, and they're like, I don't know Viper very well, and I'm kind of underwhelmed by her kid. And I'm like, also, too, like, what this means for Marvel Christ Protocol, like, similar characters to Viper, if they come in the future, what do they look like? How are they different? How are they the same? Those are ideas that always go through my head, which I think is fun. You know, this is a box with two, three threats that are, I think, pretty solid. And maybe not going to be in all my teams, but I think welcome addition to some villain teams. Oh, yeah. If you if you lean towards the dark side, this box is great. And I mean, I think the box is good either way. Yeah, I'm not sure that either one of these characters are going to end up on teams that I play a ton of. Glad they're here. Yeah, I'm glad they're here, too. I hope that I do a 180 on the type of teams I run anyway, so... Well, I think these are welcome additions to the game entirely, and a nice curveball too. So, Chris, we saved the best for last, and I think we got to start with Luke Cage because Iron Fist is going to have to be last. Yep, you just got to save that excitement for last. So, talking about Luke Cage right now, just some standout things right off the bat, Chris. He is eleven health, and he's a three threat. So he's six, and then he's five on the back. His defenses are four, three, three. So once again, he has better defenses too. All average three threats. So just as a blanket statement, he has more health and more defenses than an average three threat, which is a good start. It's a decent start. So let's take a look at his first attack here. Power Man Punch is a range two, strength five builder attack. And it also has a stagger trigger mm. on a, a wild and hit. So that's not nothing, you know, a stronger than normal attack. I'm sorry. I'm just a little underwhelmed by Luke Cage here. I can't hide it anymore. I, I'm sure everyone can tell by the word choices I'm using. But I think stagger being built into a strike is a crazy thing. I know you've got to get results but i mean this never happens that's two dice to to get right it is but five dice is not bad this is a good builder this is how it's going to be i mean my first thought when i see luke cage is similar thoughts that i have to like kingpin where it's like his first goal is going to be planting his feet somewhere his second goal is going Mm -hmm. to be punching people and throwing things but his real first goal is not leaving somewhere right and winning you the game by presumably scoring and controlling that area but we'll see second attack of course his classic line sweet christmas it's range three seven dice costs four power and then of course has a built-in throw that's a wild trigger after the attack is resolved if the target character is size three or less it may be thrown short notice it doesn't say away toward it just says thrown short chris very strong can throw them to another character and then no matter what this happens after the attack is resolved the target character gains the slow and stun special conditions this is a good one yeah and this is where he starts to win me back (laughs) four power for those conditions is a little tough you're not going to be able to be dishing them out every turn with luke which is kind of a bummer but for a three threat that you know kind of stand in place and this is my my area of control right type character like jesse's talking about this is well executed i just think maybe for the proper power set he should have been four maybe I'm, i know i'm being really nitpicky here i'm just reading this guy as this is a lot more consistent crossbones and i like that i also like luke better than crossbones personally but oh yeah for sure i love the character but yeah let's talk about the superpowers chris because of course we got to close out with those he has an active one called street fighter cost two choose an interactive terrain feature of size two or less within two throw it short okay it's not as good as beast's throw which we love beast is a three threat it's fine though i mean paying two to throw a car is fine it's something you're probably not going to do as much with luke because you're probably going to save it for these other abilities i think there's a good chance yeah and of course the other ability i'm referencing is an active superpower called two dangers to ignore cost two so same price as the size two throw when an enemy character within range two of luke cage targets another allied character with an attack this character may use the superpower this character becomes the target of the attack regardless of range and line of sight so notice chris this is not a koi's bodyguard this is not captain america's bodyguard this is black dwarf's bodyguard where it's basically if luke cage is within range two of an enemy at any time he has two power he can make the enemy attack him 
it could be a Hawkeye, right? And he's wanting to shoot right. someone in your back line who's weak. If Luke Cage is range two of Hawkeye, he does not have the option to do that if Luke Cage decides so. So this is a really cool reverse bodyguard. He's the aggressor, so he's taunting them, right? He's not taking the attack off. He's taking it to the enemy, which I think is super cool and, you know, something that probably you would like chris with your play style uh, i think it's pretty oh, cool yeah, for sure i think it's cool that like you're basically if they don't deal with luke cage and he keeps getting power he's just going to keep doing this and your weaker players on your team or people you just don't want to be attacked can move up the field potentially you know easier but i think i know the part you might be underwhelmed on chris mm-hmm. and we're here he's got two and eight super cool first one's immunity to bleed which i absolutely love that's cool always good yeah bleed is just pings throughout the whole game and they add up you know why we're here why we're talking about luke cage is of course unbreakable skin when luke cage would suffer damage from an enemy effect reduce the amount suffered by one but to a minimum of one so if someone's dealing three damage to him he's taking two if someone's dealing two damage to him he's taking one someone's doing one damage to him he's taking one he doesn't have the thanos no one does but thanos at this point yeah he's just a little too fragile for for your lore for my lore He's not actually fragile as three threats go. He's probably one of the tankiest in the game. No, as three threats go, yes. Yeah. I I agree that he is well-balanced within the game, and it is an ingenuitive kit. I mean, on the server, I like the character. There's just this lore attached that didn't elegantly fit in to the constraints of Marvel Crisis Protocol rules. And I actually think it's a testament to how well they have done Mm. that this rarely happens right he still feels like luke cage he might just not be as powerful oh he does as yeah. we'd like or just as indestructible as we'd like right i think there's there's definite power in his attacks and his throws and right and his bodyguard he's definitely a good piece so chris i my first thought looking at him is he's also a medium move so like i really do think he's just gonna fit in a lot of teams because yeah he's tanky he's gonna be around most of the game and he's got clutch bodyguard when you need it and he's got some good powerful attacks late game to delete some people and i just don't think he's bad on any team he's he's one of those threes you know he's one of those ones where it's like you can probably make him fit somewhere so that's cool that's kind of my use for beast these days where it's like beast is mobile and he's got throws and he's got you know re-rolls and things and luke cage is like just tanky got some uh, clutch things when he can use them so yeah he's gonna fit a lot of teams that's interesting and you know can't be understated how much we love this sculpt it's just too good it's fantastic <laughs> it might be one of the most luke cage things i've ever seen mm-hmm. and so evocative of the character that's great so chris we've got to close out today's news discussion with iron fist because he is also a three and that's a crazy thing to say after reading his card. Definite value here. This is a value character, but you've got to play him right. You absolutely have to play him right, but holy cow, is it cool. So as Jesse stated, he is a three threat, standard 10 health, five and five, medium move, size two, threes across the board on defense. His builder is an energy attack. It's chi strike range two, strength five which is nice in a wild trigger is a stun also nice so that's already above your normal three threat there yeah so then we're going to move into flying kick i really like this ability it is another builder it is of the guaranteed gain one power right variety it is range three strength four after this attack is resolved place iron fist within range one of the target so what is that? That's range three plus mm-hmm. a base plus a base plus a one. One? Yeah, basically. Yeah. That's quite a bit of movement for no power. Yeah, kind of like a less crazy version of what we just talked about last episode with Peter's right. little swing in and Absolutely. punch somebody and teleport behind. Yeah, it's, it's not bad. And the gaining one power we know, Chris, is always good, right? Because if you start around with the power phase... And then you do this. There's just guaranteed numbers of power you know you have. Right. So I guess now <laughs> we have to get to the piece de la resistance. That's true. This is an energy attack. It is called the Iron Fist. Of course. Range two. Strength nine. Mm-hmm. Power cost of eight power. <laughs> Highest power cost of, of power we've seen in the game. Now keep in mind the entirety of while I'm reading the text on this attack... This is a three-threat character. True. Before damage is dealt, other enemy characters within range three of the target character 
suffer one damage. Three, Chris. Three. Everyone's getting a ping. There's more. Before damage is dealt, if the target character has an activated token, it then gains the stagger special condition and is thrown short away from Iron Fist. If this target character does not have an activated token, it gains an activated token. You thought, Chris, that Doctor Strange's activation token and getting his dice results in line, getting all the pictures matching, was powerful. You better keep an eye on Iron Fist on turn three. You should. You definitely should. The reason Chris is saying turn three, because he, of course, has two innate superpowers. The first one is the immortal weapon. During the power phase, Iron Fist gains one additional power. So he's an Asgardian, basically. So he's gaining two every turn. And then, of course, he has the innate master martial artist. When this character is defending against a physical or energy attack that is targeting within range three, Iron Fist adds blanks in his defense roll to total successes. So this is the corset Black Widow range two martial orders, but it's taken up all the way to range three. So blanks are just awesome. So basically his biggest weakness, Chris, is being shot from range, long range. That tracks. Yeah, it tracks. But we got we gotta dive into this iron fist ability. Oh my gosh. This is like anime level ability. <laughs> okay. This is like one punch from one punch man. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. There's so many things going through my mind. You know, this is like we spent four episodes of DBZ powering up an ability to do this. Can you imagine the end of turn three and, you know, you're set up kind of the way you want. We're going into turn four and then your opponent's last activation, they do some teleport shenanigans and put a fully fed Danny Rand right in front of you and initiative is going to them. Right. Holy cow. Then he's going to gain two power. He's going to line up TF whoever he wants and they just don't get to go. They don't get to go and they also might die. And then also everyone around them takes one damage within range three. The removal of that activation on top of everything else is just insane. Chris, they're getting more and more creative. I mean, I'm still in shock from Carnage and Mysterio, you know, just like the ways you're going to have to play those characters. Certain turns of the game is so different. Mysterio just really appeals. Yes. And if Carnage continues and he keeps killing, like he'll just never be stopped. And I love with Danny. It's like he's clearly weak defensively if he gets caught out. But as long as he's staying in the game, he's gaining power from the power phases. He's also gaining power from just taking damage. So yeah, Chris, round four, no matter what, you can do the Iron Fist. But if he gets damaged at all before round four, it's going to happen sooner, potentially. And how fitting, man. He's a B-list hero. Right. That can do an A-list attack. That's so true. You know, and it it just, goodness. So we got to talk about something that was revealed during the con, which was, of course, Iron Fist and Luke Cage's tactic card, which we did talk about briefly, Chris, but I do want to talk about it again now that we know what their cards are. So it's a reactive card. It can be Luke Cage or Iron Fist. When an ally character is targeted by an attack and the ally that's targeted by the attack is within range three of an allied Luke Cage and or an allied Iron Fist, the allied character may spend two power to play this card. So the character being attacked can pay two. Place an allied Luke Cage or Iron Fist that is within range three of the character and now place them range one of the allied character. The place character now becomes the target of the attack. So if Luke Cage or Iron Fist teleported up range three and then range one, now they are the target of the attack. And then after the attack is resolved, if the placed character, so as in Luke Cage or Iron Fist, is not dazed and the attacking character is size three or less, so the enemy is size three, the placed character may throw the attacking character way short. So Danny can just shoot up into the middle of the fight. Luke Cage can just shoot up in the middle of the fight, throw an enemy away short, bodyguard the attack, and then potentially be in position for their activation. And potentially be in position to take Magneto off the board for the turn? (laughs) They could. Potentially. Yeah. And they got into the fray. They also potentially got this crazy movement, you know, this lethal protector level card like Venom has, which you always take with Venom because it gets around his movement issues. And now they're in the middle of the board. They're contesting an objective. They're ready to punch someone in the face. And they're also taking attack off of someone you didn't want to be attacked. This card is going to be essential when you play these characters, I think. It's just netting you too many things. You know what I mean? I tend to agree. And lucky for us... I will have a chance to sell you on why he's so cool. That's so true, Chris. Both these episodes I'm really looking forward to. Luke Cage and Iron Fist both. It's going to be very exciting. Oh, yeah, man. I don't think I can get through the rest of that show, but I might try just for the listeners alone, you know? (laughs) 
<laughs> uh, the first couple episodes of season one is is already too much. Iron Fist. Yeah, it's yeah, it's bad. It is like the worst Marvel show, without a doubt. Season two is much better. They had, I think, they got a different showrunner, and you actually get a a much better take on Danny Rand. It's noticeably different. Mm in season two so that is a lot better maybe some of the actors got lessons too i hope <laughs> i didn't really have many problems with the acting i didn't not nearly as much as foggy nelson on daredevil we disagree here when that's fine that's that's fine Ugh. the the acting is is not good in iron fist as in it, danny's fine all the supporting casts around him see i felt it was different i thought they don't that- feel like marvel level actors Oh, well, it's not a Marvel-level show, though. It's a Netflix show. That's where you're wrong. You see? Just quit expecting so much. (laughs) But after you've seen Daredevil, Chris, and you've seen Punisher, you've seen Luke Cage, right? You've seen Jessica Jones. They set their own bar, you know? And then you get bad acting on top of that? You're not wrong. I can't go from David Tennant's Purple Man to, like, soap opera acting. That's too disparate. Look, man, they didn't give Iron Fist the funding and vision he needed. That's it, yeah. I think Netflix wrestled on the laurels. They had hit shows before uh, leading up to this, and they just didn't get it right. I get what they were doing. It was a very 1970s Yes. Danny Rand, a very, i I just been in Kunlun since I was a child, and now I'm in the big city, and this is crazy. Fish out of water, yeah. Yeah, fish out of water story, thank you. Yeah, it's just, that's not the Danny Rand that, don't get me wrong, it's great, and he's great, and I'm very glad that those comics exist, but the Danny Rand I fell in love with was a different character, and that character was more embodied in season two, not to the level we need. I just hope that Iron Fist gets a shot on screen again. That's all. I think he will. I really do think he will. We've got things like Shang-Chi and stuff coming. Marvel clearly wants to get into this interesting part of the Marvel Universe, this martial arts, Asian culture, all of it. Well, yeah, the Chinese movie-going market is just insane. That Marvel makes so much money over there. If you can appeal to that in any way, it's over. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I I think... If they're going to bring in Shang-Chi, surely Iron Fist is coming around at some point. I would agree. But even if it's just Shang-Chi, I'm I'm chill. That sounds awesome. Also, Chris, I love the simplicity of this character in the game where it's like he's got two good builders and he's got this insane spender that's really easy to wrap your head around. And then he just has two innate superpowers. That's it. Yeah, this is more my level character. You know, this is this is not Galaxy Brain. <laughs> this is Hulk Smash. And that's what I can do. This is good, Chris. Yeah, he's going to be great in the hands of newcomers and experts alike. He will. And I really think he's making this mechanic of loading up for power turns kind of more and more obvious. Right. Like we keep saying, we can't say it enough. He's a three threat. And if you get off the Iron Fist attack once or heavens forbid, even twice in a game. Oh, my. Oh, my. You have gotten. It's almost like you paid one threat for a character in a weird way. In a weird way. It's like right. you're getting so much more value than than a three threat can normally provide that you're kind of mitigating any of his weaknesses in a way. So you're paying three threat, Chris, for this activation token. And then you're getting all this other awesome stuff on top of it. So it's just a crazy thing. It's just a crazy thing. You know, in some alternate universe where tactics cards cost threat or something people would play an, a, a tax card that was like pay three threat during deployment to get this card it's a one-time use card to activate someone in the game or something you know what i mean it's just like that type of thinking i think you're right so um, we know competitive players would do it and of course that'd be stronger than danny because oh, you could just tap it but you know this is just spitballing ideas here i just think it's so cool that he has this massive level one punch man type attack you're talking about that's already just cool and then on top of that they're potentially gaining a stagger or an activation token. Stagger, which is almost like a halfway to get an activation token. Their first action has to be to remove the stagger. Yeah, that's just a, a hamstring there, you know? Also, I love that uh, Iron Fist and Luke Cage both have staggers in their kits. Like, we're getting into this whole, like, Isn't being punched, and you're just kind of knocked out for half a round. <laughs> that's pretty cool. I love it. Oh, uh, these are exciting, Chris. And I think this tactic card is super cool for them, too. So, these guys are, you know, I'm obviously more excited personally about cable and Deadpool just because I think they're weird and I'm kind of looking forward to learning how to use them. But 
I was not ready for how much I was going to be excited about Iron Fist and Luke Cage. I think this might be, Chris, one of the new early purchases for new people getting into Marvel Crisis Protocol. This box. Like Luke Cage and Iron Fist. I think that's a great call. Yeah. I think this might be the new, this is where you start box. Yeah. Just to get some extra threes in your arsenal. It's like, okay, you bought a core set. You bought some characters you like on the side. You know, you bought maybe, you know, a big character you really like. And it's like, okay, now you just want to fill some stuff out, you know? And it's like, well... These guys are great. You look at these characters and you think back to the ones in the core set. It's time for an updated core set, AMG. Hey, man, there's some really good characters still in the core set, but you're right. The Iron Man's have fallen by the wayside. I still stand by it. Baron Zemo is a sleeper. He's so good. Yes, I, I actually agree with you 100% on Zemo, but that Spider-Man, Doc Ock has a few places. He'll have a lot more very soon. Very soon he'll have more, but it's still limited to pretty much one leader, one team. But I also think, Chris, too, what's interesting about Iron Fist and Luke Cage is they are kind of opposite sides of the coin. It's like Iron Fist is a little bit harder to play, but he's got some big upsides, obviously. And then Luke Cage is a little bit easier to play and just very consistent. And they're both just good three threats because of that, I think. They just fit places. Yeah, and they work together. That tactics card, like I said, (laughs) through some magic, a fully fed Iron Fist at the end of turn three gets gets up in your business that's that's tough man you're done well and also too it's one of those things like we it's exactly like we talked about last episode chris with carnage where it's like how much value alone is like someone like carnage or an iron fist just providing to being present on the table as in they see them coming up the side and they're thinking well where's iron fist going to end up and where's he going to do his iron fist attack and i have to play differently because i have to think that way but that's just just one character on your team right you still got the rest of your team doing things on the board too so asking questions of your opponent is always good i think carnage is going to be the same way where it's like he might spend some turns hiding behind line of sight terrain because he cannot die from you know ranged attacks that are energy but as he's creeping up the side of the board, hiding behind line of sight terrain, and your enemy's thinking, there's fear there. There's fear about where he's coming mm-hmm. out and what he's actually doing, you know? And that, in a way, is control. It's control in a different way, you know? It's you're just constantly asking your opponent questions, and then you respond when you're ready. And I think that's interesting about Iron Fist, too. I love characters like that too. One of my favorite games I ever played was a yeah was a was a flanking Killmonger. That's good stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's 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 a beaut. Also, Killmonger is still a beast. Don't forget it. Oh listeners. man, he's awesome. He's so strong. But yeah, Chris, that's all our spoilers for now. As in full cards, you know, we've got a couple panel to play ideas left and right. I I do want to mention, you know, some nice shout outs to like AMG. They recently painted Quicksilver on the stream. I mean, there's some exciting stuff Very coming, cool. dude. You know, I am just counting down the days till I get to see Scarlet Witch and Mr. Sinister's cards. Like, what are those characters going to be like? (laughs) Give me some weird mage stuff. That's what I want so bad. There's no telling with her, man. She could be a two threat character, a five threat character. It's like Spider-Man. It's which, which incarnation are we getting? Where in the timeline did they choose to pluck Wanda? But Sinister, I have no idea. Is he going to have a special like weakness to Scott's eye beams? That's a good question. There's all kinds of stuff, Chris. Also, like Mr. Sinister, he's stepping out of like a regenerative pod, which is super mm-hmm. cool. Like there's just a lot of things going on that are just visually cool and thematic. We'll see how they go. But yeah, you know I'm ready to play Scarlet Witch. Like, I just can't wait, you know. It's going to be a very exciting time. That's definitely going to be a character for me. I am happy to say I was excited about Luke Cage and Iron Fist coming to the game, but I was not enthralled, and now I'm enthralled. Oh, good. That's great. It's a good thing. I think they're a good thing for the game. I think they're going to be super fun to play. I think they fit cool places like these guys in Avengers, these guys in Defenders, these guys in Criminals. Like they fit a lot of cool places just off the top of my head. Even Cabal, like these guys doing damage and getting more power and doing more of their power things is good. So I, I think they're going to be a great addition to the game. Luke Cage having his bodyguard discounted Avengers is pretty cool, too. I really like that idea. I am probably underestimating Luke Cage, so (laughs) all you listeners know that I know that I'm probably underestimating Luke Cage. He's going to be solid. No, I'm excited to get him on the table and actually figure out for real how good he is. He is a character that I will use 100% to teach people Marvel Christ Protocol, because it's Mm. always hard to explain to people at first, Marvel Crisis Protocol is not necessarily about deleting all of your opponent's units. In fact, it's not that at all. Scoring on the objectives, 
and then fighting them on the interjectas and then adapting to your opponent. And Luke Cage is really good at that, I think. Like teaching those ideas. Yeah, but I like trying to kill them all. I do too, sometimes. That is possible with the Black Order and Brotherhood and stuff sometimes. But most of the time, you're winning by scoring points. Even when you're killing them all, you know? That also means your team's still just winning the objectives because you just have more people, you know? So, very interesting. We'll see where these guys come up more. Chris and I will have a lot more thoughts very soon on these guys. And, you know, Chris, this is perfect timing because next episode, we're getting heavily into Defenders. So, I think this is perfect timing with a lot of this. And... I mean, it's uh, probably going to be no surprise to the listener at home, but I'm very excited about the next episode, Chris. It's going to be really <laughs> strange, I think. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be different, man. It, it's going to be fun, though. It's Ghost Rider, by the way. Yeah, and Ghost Rider is such a different kind of character. He's a strange one. For Marvel, especially at the time when he came out. So it's it's going to be cool, man. Like I'm, I'm excited to learn more about him. I am too, Chris. I'm a fan of him, but I, I know less than I'd like to know, you know, like he's, I know more about Spawn than Ghost Rider, you know, and though they are birds of a similar feather. Yeah, but Spawn's objectively cooler. Well, of course. Good. We can continue to do this podcast. That's right. Well, I will use that as a reference, you know, just as a talking point, because I, I maybe, you know, Ghost Rider, he's a weird version of Marvel, and he's kind of like the Spawn type stuff, which is very different from Marvel, but then he also is Marvel. There's a lot of things. So it's interesting. I think it's just going to prime us and get ready for Blade, Chris. I am so excited for the movie, for oh, him yes. and MCP. Oh, can't wait. Even the comics coming back. It's oh, it's cool. It's a good time, man. It's a good time to be a Marvel fan and a good time to be a Marvel Crisis Protocol player. So I think we got to end the show there, Chris, because we could keep talking about these characters all day because I think all of these are great additions to the game. Just shooting from the hip, the ones we talked about today, like Domino might be the one I play the most at first. And I think she's just going to fit in places I like to play. But Luke Cage and Danny are going to pop up lots of interesting places and i'm i'm scared i will be playing luke cage and danny of course i will also be playing x-force asap have to have to play x-force asap yeah i'm not gonna lie i am really excited for this amazing spider-man i mean who is it i just i think it's insane five threat spider-man this is the one we wanted yeah and i knew we would get it and i'm just so happy it's here it's oh it's exciting it makes me want to play web warriors which i'm not really a huge fan of right. they're really cool i like watching other people play them they're a team i've played a lot of so i'm really looking forward to his addition to that team but i mean yeah chris yeah. this is a wonderful time because the characters i'm least excited about of everything that's coming up soon are the ones we all just talked about no slide on any <laughs> of these characters like no slide on domino sin viper you know iron fist and luke cage but it's like for me it's like oh i finally get to play spider foes and see all these interesting characters and apparently the way they're going spider foes i was not ready for which is they're all these like asymmetrical villains you know with weird asymmetrical things going on like case in point mysterio and carnage there's a lot of crazy things going on there that are game breaking also characters that are completely weak to so many things which is so interesting too and completely powerful to other things and i'm just looking forward to lizard i'm looking forward to craven the hunter oh that one's big time for me too yeah yeah there's a lot of amazing stuff coming up a lot of lore i'm excited to get into so I hope you guys are excited too. Wanda and Pietro and then like Mr. Sinister, like we've got so many things that they have a hundred percent confirmed showing us models for and say are coming soon before other things that we haven't announced yet. So it's like, oh my gosh, you know, this is all great. What's on the way? (laughs) More amazing Marvel characters, of course. That's the only answer. That's the only answer. And we will continue to cover them on the show. And I'm really looking forward to doing more of these uh, news episodes. Chris This is really fun. Me too. I had a great time. Fury's Finest is supported by our wonderful patrons. You can become a Fury's Finest patron by going to patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. Check us out on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Fury's Finest. We are wanting to do some Marvel Crisis Protocol streams, do some of these ultimate encounters, maybe even do a round robin tournament with my gaming group after everyone's fully vaccinated and restrictions are lifted very soon. So follow our Twitch page and be ready for that. You can also follow us on social media. You can find us on Twitter at Fury's Finest cast and instagram and facebook at furies finest of course if there's anything you need you can always reach out to us by email at furies finest at gmail.com and every time you listen to the show and every time you leave us a review on apple podcasts that 
helps us out. So we really appreciate it. We've, we've even got a couple more reviews lately, guys, and Fantastic. we're getting up in numbers. So, you know, if our number continues to grow, that really helps us out. I mean, the number one and number two way you can help us, of course, is the Patreon. And then the number two way is subscribe to the show on your platform of choice and then leave us a review on the show. And those are things that really help us out and help us grow. And growth is important. And we would really appreciate it if you guys could help. We'd also like to thank Approaching Nirvana for our intro and outro music and always rate, review, and subscribe. That is right. Of course, you can find Chris and I on social media. You can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Jesse Aiken. That, of course, is E-A-K-I-N. And I have a Star Wars podcast called The Canon Cantina. Chris, where can everyone find you? You can follow me on Twitter at Chris Bruffett, C-H-R-I-S-B-R-U-F-F-E-T-T. Well, that was a very exciting episode. Hope you'll join us next time as we dive into the world of Ghost Rider. But until then, thanks for listening. True believers. Excelsior. has gotten even stranger than you already know. At this point, I doubt anything would surprise me. Ten bucks says you're wrong. 